Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Zero season three episode twenty seven starts now. Welcome to the show. I'm Brandon Davis, joined today by Jamie Jurak. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. We got Jenna Anderson. Hey everybody. I was telling Jamie before the show started. I'm happy she's back to talk Olivia Coleman because it doesn't feel right to talk about Olivia Coleman without her. <laughs> welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, and we got Aaron Perrine. What's going on, guys? I got an email from someone named Catherine Hahn. She says everything's going to be okay, but it's not spelled correctly. So maybe it'll still be okay. Don't give her your passwords. No. <laughs> I won't. Or send any money. Uh, welcome to the show. You know how we do it when we have new episodes of Marvel shows on Disney+. Plus. The first half of today's show is all Marvel news, uh, which has been kind of dry lately. So we're made, But we do have some interesting stuff to talk about still. We'll never give you a boring show. And then in the second half of the show, after a quick break, we will discuss Secret Invasion Episode 3. So that's going to be today's show. So first of all, let's start with Strange. He's coming back. Benedict Cumberbatch was on uh, speaking at this JW3 speaker series. The host asked him, what do you have coming up? Like what? Very casually said, what what kind of stuff do you have booked? Named a few things. And one of them, he said, there's some Marvel capes in the making next year. Marvel Capers in the making next year. So Doctor Strange is filming something in 2024, which means it's probably going to release in 2025 or 2026. So what could it be? Benadryl Cucumber Snatch is coming back. <laughs> What's he doing it for? Ooh, um, God. So first of all, with the disclaimer that, hey, if anything comes out next year, but also um, it... I, so we got Deadpool, Captain America, right? And what's the third movie? Is it Thunderbolts? Thunderbolts. Yeah. That's all 2024, yeah. That's, yeah. that's all 2024. Okay, so I think it's probably Deadpool. I think well, I, don't think he's, I think he's going to film something for 2025. Yeah. Really? That's I how I interpret it. He has work to do. He's doing Marvel work next year, which means that it'll release in 2025. So oh. I'm thinking... Possibly Avengers is the obvious choice. Yeah. Yeah. But if there's another Spider-Man movie, maybe he's going to show up in El Marco <laughs> if we're lucky. <laughs> Hear me out. Uh, Coming of Chaos, end credit scene. That would be amazing. Uh, 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 Coming to be like, Wanda's alive. <laughs> My God, two seconds of screen time. See you later. That's we finally I mean. get retribution for him not showing up in WandaVision. Just he just yes. shows up inexplicably there. See, I, I have the pie in the sky hope that it's a third Doctor Strange movie because I will be a little frustrated if the next time we see Strange and Clea is in Kang Dynasty because I feel like there's so much story you can just do with them and so much like bedrock you can lay for Secret Wars before we even get to Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. So if they somehow found a way to put a third movie in there, I would be very, very happy. That's. I mean, I feel that way about a lot of the characters that we... I feel like this has been the problem with the multiverse saga. There's too much new, not enough revisiting on the way to an Avengers movie. 
Like I want Shang-Chi too, Doctor Strange 3. You know, I feel like we got to check in with these characters again. Doctor Strange 3, I'm just like, where does it fit? How in the world do they fit this in before, you know, Kang Dynasty or Secret Wars? And it seems maybe they do. And hopefully it's a step up for Multiverse of Madness. But yeah, uh, I think it's got to be an Avengers movie that he's talking about filming. Um, but Covenant Chaos would be fun. Seeing him on Disney Plus would be fun. We haven't seen Doctor Strange on Disney Plus yet, right? No. Hasn't been a part of one of the shows. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maybe it's Blade. <laughs> that would require Blade to actually start filming, which <laughs> does not seem to be happening anytime soon. No. Hmm. Well, could be anything, but Doctor Strange is coming back. Benedict Cumberbatch confirmed it, so that's cool. Um, my guess is Kang Dynasty, but I think that that is pretty far off. But yeah, that's that's an interesting piece of news. We, I mean, that also doesn't even feel like news. Now when the actors say, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to continue playing this part that I play, it's just like, well, yeah, obviously you are, but yeah, that's more strange. All right, let's keep it moving. <laughs> well, and on the topic of that same type of news, uh, Jeffrey Wright spoke to, didn't he speak to Liam? Isn't that where this quote came from? When he I talked to, so for Asteroid City. Yeah, so he talked to our very own Liam Crowley at the Asteroid City Junket about playing the Watcher in live action, and he gave a less concrete answer than Benedict Cumberbatch did. He just said, we'll see. So do we want to see him in live action? Do we want, where would we want to see him? is what if season two even going to happen? How are we feeling about this? What if season two is a weird situation? Cause I thought for sure we'd have it by now. Yeah. They were advertising that they were showing, they showed an entire episode at Comic-Con last year, right? Didn't they show like the whole black widow episode? Yeah. I was there. Yeah. yeah you were there. I'm like, <laughs> why are you asking us? <laughs> Based on what you told me. You, you- Listen, Comic-Con <laughs> is a blur. Jenna gets it. Jenna was there. Comic-Con yeah. is like, it's a blur. This year, Comic-Con is going to be a huge bummer. I mean, I hope it's still fun, but in terms of news and interview opportunities, it's going to, it's going to stink like a, yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah. What if season two is a weird watcher? I think it's inevitable that he shows up in this part in, Maybe unrecognizably so in a live action film, but I don't know when. You don't just sign Jeffrey Wright for him just to do these voice roles. He's, yeah. There's too much gravitas. You're just leaving there, especially if you would assume the watcher when everything hits the fan and Kang Dynasty would be like, y'all messed up. <laughs> like, I think that's exactly where we're headed. So I hope so. Also, uh, you know. Liam's the only person we could send on our staff tall enough to talk to the watcher in his huge stature. <laughs> I will say Bill is in the chat saying that he hopes the CGI head would be better. We already saw the watchers in CGI technically because they were at the end of Guardians 2. So like, they technically have a design for how they look in live action. So at least there's a template there. It hopefully won't look too uncanny. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I, I just, I love Jeffrey Wright and it would be so crazy to like not use him to the full potential. It does seem inevitable, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't know yet. Uh, I'm sure it's been discussed, but my guess is he's like, we'll see, because that's the best he can do. Yeah, I feel like uh, the actors used to have more information and they'd be keeping it from us. And now I feel like things are constantly changing and so uncertain and the planning is not as firm as it used to be that when he says, we'll see, he genuinely actually just doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Or if they're just getting really good at training these people to make us believe that. <laughs> Who knows? Like Marvel uh, single-handedly is turning an entire generation of actors into liars. <laughs> 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 you think like, like they weren't really like acting and lying isn't quite the same, but now they've mastered both and they're going to take over the world. They're the new scrolls. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm tired, you guys. We just had a holiday weekend. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the, the brain, the ideas are forming. Um, oh, boy. So next form of news. Here we go. Um, Daredevil stuntman Chris Brewster. He was saying some negative things on Azuko and Scripted. Um, he really seems to hate... Uh, what uh, the MCU is doing with Daredevil, which is, uh, you know, well, here's what he said. He said, I think that now that the MCU has taken over the character, I think they are really, really hurting it. If you watch She-Hulk, they turn Daredevil into a cartoon. It's all animated and it looks bad. You know, I love CG to enhance real movement, but if you don't have any real movement, it just becomes a cartoon. It's just CG and there's no weight to it. And what Always uh, and what always made the action on Daredevil so good is it was visceral. You felt what Charlie was feeling between his performance and being in there in the action. Um, uh, this is interesting because I, I don't disagree with the fact that I think like when it comes to stunts and stuff, they're relying too heavily on on CG. Like that's what makes Mission Impossible so good. Tom mm. Cruise is motorcycling off cliffs. Um, and when I first read the quote and he said Daredevil was like a cartoon, I thought he meant the characteristic of the character. And I was about to smack this guy in the face and say, get out of my <laughs> mouth with your quote. Um, but um, but I, I don't. I understand what he's saying. Should I read the next bit or should we focus on this bit first? I mean, we could talk about this part first. I yeah. think it, I think he, I mean, I think he's got points. I think that mm -hmm. a huge part of what made Daredevil so good was the grounded grittiness that you could tell was real and raw. Those oneers, those those Sam Hargrave approved extraction two one shots in the in the Daredevil show on Netflix, which Sam Hargrave was in no way associated with. I just <laughs> I just watched Extraction over the weekend and I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that it makes a difference. But also, this was a She Hulk show, which like uh, you have to you have to look at this two ways. There's there's what he said, which is like well they're changing Daredevil, but then there's also the fact that this was She Hulk, which had She-Hulk as the main character that was basically an animated character anyway in a basically a sitcom of a show. So I'm hoping that with Daredevil Born Again, like I, I don't think Feige doesn't recognize what was so successful about the Daredevil show, right? So I don't think he's just going to be like, all right, well, let's, let's CG all the fights. I hope, hope there's some grounded, gritty uh, toughness. But the next quote does seem to contradict that, but everybody can uh, get away with I will say as like the resident She-Hulk defender, I, I I can the only thing I can think of of like, oh, it's too cartoony was like him leaping off of stuff in the parking structure, which like is comic accurate. Like there are countless panels of Daredevil jumping off of stuff and doing parkour. So and the Netflix show did that, but they kept it very, very grounded when they did that. Whereas I feel like She-Hulk kind of took it a little more extravagantly. But I feel like the actual fighting in his episode was still very grounded in reality it's not like fighting cgi forms. he was fighting lagoons and jackets so i get where he's coming from but at the same time i feel like they still honor daredevil enough given like bd said the context of the she-hulk show I, I just don't know how you can make an argument that like this ruins the character when he's had what he's only on screen for what 45 minutes max overall the episode generous. not even extremely generous yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to give my man a little Actually, bit of impossible life because uh, that, that, that's not he didn't even come into She-Hulk until Four? like what was the episode? Well, no, like it was second like, to oh, last eight. episode. Yeah, it was eight. I, I would say at nine. most, yeah, at most he's in like 15, 20 minutes of the show, yeah. probably. Yeah, well, how can you decide anything, man? Oh man, you know, guy subs into a game. Also, and plays here's 10 the thing. minutes. <laughs> 
this is a this is a symptom a symptom of a bigger problem the MCU is facing right now because if you look at Secret Invasion, which we're going to talk about thoroughly at the end in the second half of today's show, this show is very grounded and I mean I'm loving the mature tone. It's violent. It's I I think Secret Invasion is fantastic. Secret Invasion is leading into the Marvels. Like you expect people to just because it's Marvel really enjoy Secret Invasion and then also enjoy the Marvels. And for a lot of people, that will be true. But for a lot of people who are enjoying the tone and the maturity of Secret Invasion, it doesn't look like you're going to get that in the Marvels. The trailer for the Marvels completely contradicts the tone of Secret Invasion. So I think that taking characters and putting them in one thing that people really enjoy seeing them in and taking those same characters and putting them in something else that's almost on the complete different side of the the tonal spectrum is... Uh, it's it's a bit of a problem for the MCU and for for the audiences that enjoy these characters. I think so. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see that but conversation. See, runs. I I can make that argument argument for every superhero character that has practically ever existed. Like there was a time, even just with Teen Titans, you could watch Titans the TV show and Teen Titans Go simultaneously. Like you can watch a very gritty Batman thing and you watch Bat Wheels at the same time, or read comics that have that same sort of like breadth of tone so i think it is just a thing with the mcu we haven't this is the first time we've really gotten to that kind of point but it is something that you kind of expect with the medium it's just yeah general audiences might not be expecting it my favorite yeah. anything dc ever is batman brave and the bold especially the episode with batmite where he points out mm -hmm. that there's eight million different ways to do batman um and i i don't know like it's not secret is isn't my favorite thing they've ever done but it's fine but i am excited to get kamala in the back because i actually do care a lot about like hey what's town of paris been doing hey what's Iman villani been doing we haven't seen brie in what feels like eight million years that sh that shang chi post credit scene feels like it was back when i was in high school yeah, I am really, really happy. Years ago, we have lived twenty years since that credit scene. That's what I'm saying. Like it's been a good Julia year, so I get that. But also, I, I mean, also, I, I the other weird underlying part about this is that they're treating Daredevil like everybody that likes Daredevil has seen that show and like reveres that show and thinks that everything's just absolutely hunky dory. I'm sorry, Adam. Please don't come behind <laughs> me. Like I, there are going to be people who are who aren't. That that doesn't really they don't care about that though. So you gotta make it for both kinds of people. Like I don't know. Like I I, I, I as much as it would be nice to have it be slavishly like indebted to like the show that people really enjoyed on Netflix. I have no problem with seeing what another team could do with the same character and concept. Cause it, like just said, that's what we do with comics all the time. I think that that's a, that great point is a, is a good transition into this guy's second quote. Um, because uh, I, I think that like somebody in the comments, like he's never going to work with Marvel. He keeps talking like that. Well, I think that that's probably the point he's, I think he's butthurt that he's not in the new show, um, which, um, you know, I, I don't blame him. You know, he's, he's what he says. He says, he basically says that Marvel studios blocked his return. He said, I had no doubt that they were going to reach out to me. Charlie specifically requests me on everything. And he always goes out of his way and fights for me to be there. And he asked them over and over to bring me in. And I never even got a phone call. Ironically, nobody that worked on seasons one, two, and three went back. Um, I don't know how nobody, I don't, I don't know that that's, uh, but I, I would imagine it does sound like they're doing kind of a clean slate thing. And I don't blame this guy for being like a little, you know, uh, especially like in your role as a, like a stunt man, you mm -hmm. know, uh, as we've learned from the cinematic classic once upon a time in Hollywood, once you start <laughs> stunting for a guy, like there's a bond there and you, you move, you know, their bodies and, and how they work and stuff. So I think that's, this is interesting. What do you guys think? 
I I think he's pissed off too. I think it's uh, <laughs> it's not a great look to be this openly mm. pissed off because everybody's going to come out here and be like, you're just crying because you weren't invited, which is feels kind of true, but also kind of worries me because some of the best parts of Daredevil were the sequences that the stunt team absolutely destroyed it on. Imagine if Mission Impossible decided Tom Cruise can't do stunts anymore and they hired somebody he never worked with before. You'd go into the next Mission Impossible movie a little bit worried. So I get it. As a fan of the Daredevil show, uh, that came before this. I, and I, I'm like, well, that's kind of, kind of, well, what do you, I mean, what are you going to do? I'm still going to watch Daredevil born again. I still haven't, I really don't know what this means. They are doing. I know it means there are people they're not working with, which were very good, talented people, but I don't know anything about the people that they are working with now. I'm sure I could probably research it, find out that stunt team and what they've done before. I haven't. So I, this doesn't, this doesn't turn me off of Daredevil born again in any way, but it does. I, I kind of get where this guy's coming from a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a child. I feel like that's is yeah. there more? You know? Um so I guess uh speaking of productions that have wrapped and that involve that do also do not involve that guy. Uh <laughs> Captain America <laughs> Brave New World. Well, that production. Wow. Um and so I guess we got Sam and like I also I, I thought there was some weirdness. I know the Twitter landmine right now. It's very hard to parse through that that maybe it hadn't rap production, but from what I understand, it it had. Oh, it has. I can confirm it has. It okay. has. Rap. Okay. I'll tell you right now, it has. Okay, okay cool. See, so look at that exclusive. Look at that. <laughs> Captain America: <laughs> Brave New World is, is done. It's but all yeah, right. They there was a there was a photo posted on Instagram by this. I think it was a cinematographer who posted like that's a rap, which was yeah. how uh this this whole thing started but i'll tell you, I, I have followed up and it is it is finished okay. uh which is exciting the movie's done Hooray. we don't have to worry about delays anymore because it's because of strikes like they squeezed this whole thing in <laughs> they got it done it's still baffling to me that this is now after deadpool when it sounds like deadpool is still filming and then i know there was a report i think from deadline that said that they were going to wrap but then people came out and said they might still do production like later this year so it's wild to me that like brave new world had the earlier release date and now doesn't because especially when it's already in the can but i'm happy it's done at least i i want to see this movie so if you could watch one tomorrow deadpool 3 or cap 4 which one you watching I know you're not asking me, Jenna. There you go. <laughs> I uh, I don't know because it's like I I part of me just curiosity makes me say Deadpool three, but I also have a lot of curiosity around Brave New World. I want to see Harrison Ford. Like I I want to see what that movie actually looks like. So I don't know. I would almost say Cap four. I feel like I could wait on Deadpool three a little bit. I also just got some live live uh, insights. Deadpool has not wrapped. It will be filming later this year. All right. So. You can, that's another confirmation here on phase zero. Cap four is <laughs> on, Deadpool three is not. You heard it here. Uh, Jamie, I don't, what's your I, answer? Go oh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like I'm, I, the Deadpool movies aren't, aren't my favorite thing, but I'm so excited to see Hugh back. I think I'm more of excited for uh, Captain America as like just a movie, but also like, I can't deny that. Like, I really want to see Hugh Jackman again because I'm a sucker. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um, I was gonna, all I want to say is let's hope the editors don't strike and yeah. get a movie. Oh, no. I don't think that's a thing. I, I don't don't quote me. That's just a joke. <laughs> <laughs> after all of the rumors I've heard about Deadpool three. Actually, man, there's some exciting stuff I've heard about Cap four too. Mm -hmm. I think 
as an MCU fan, I would rather watch Cap 4. I'm not going to lie. But as just a legacy Marvel fan, Deadpool 3 is doing some exciting stuff. But the cameos and all this other stuff is starting. I'm not believing in it anymore right now. I think Deadpool and Wolverine are going to be fantastic. But I think Captain America Brave New World is going to... uh, I'm more excited for what I, I believe that movie's doing within itself and for the MCU. So I would probably pick Cap 4. But De- that's tough because Deadpool 3 is like up there for me as well. Hey, everybody, the MCU's coming back, baby. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, all right, real quick. Oh, wait, wait, did everybody answer? Yeah. Well, Aaron, Aaron, we, hey, we, we know. We know Aaron's answer. Answer. <laughs> um, And real quick, uh, Chris Killian talked to the producers on Spider-Verse. Uh, and he asked them about all the stuff we talked about on last week's episode of Phase Zero, which was about this new release date Sony made, the kind of the conversations coming from the VFX people. Is this movie actually going to drop in March of 2024? Uh, and they said, hell no. No, they didn't say that. I'm, I'm <laughs> translating. Uh, Lord said, I would say that we're that just like we're going to take the time necessary to make uh, Beyond the Spider-Verse great. And Miller added, we won't back into a release date that doesn't fit this ain't coming out in the first quarter of 2024. There is no way I'll honestly be surprised. I won't be surprised if it moves off of that November date that Sony added to their calendar. I hope not. I hope it doesn't go too far away because that cliffhanger is crazy. And I want this, uh, this hype train to continue rolling. Uh, but we'll, we'll, I don't know. This thing's getting delayed, right guys? Yeah. For me, it's like the, the hype is like, yeah, I'm hyped, but I also want the animators to be treated right. And I want this movie to be made mm-hmm. well, and I want everyone to have a good experience making it. So if that means we don't see it until 2025, 2026, who knows? Like, I'm willing to wait. We waited five years for this one. So, yeah, the cliffhanger sucks, but I would rather they take all the time that they need. Mm-hmm. But there's no way this is coming out in March. Absolutely not. Nah, bummer, bummer. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Going to give people decent working conditions to make the best movie possible. <laughs> oh, no. All right, guys. We're going to take a quick one minute break. When we come back, it is spoilers for Secret Invasion Episode 3. If you haven't watched it yet, this is your stepping off point. Step back on that play button after you've watched it because we have quite a bit to talk about uh, on the Secret Invasion front. So see you in a moment. Great opportunity to subscribe to the Phase Zero channel on YouTube while we're on this break if you haven't already. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to Phase Zero, Season 3, Episode 27. This is the Secret Invasion, Episode 3, Spoiler Section of the show. 
It's Wednesday. That means it was get out of bed, sip your coffee, and watch Samuel L. Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn put on an acting clinic in Secret Invasion. That's how my morning went. I don't know about you. We're going to go around with reactions, but spoilers for the episode follow. Aaron, you're at the top of the screen. What did you think of Secret Invasion episode three? Uh, it's interesting because, I mean, a lot of the conversation here in the office was that the first two episodes are not fast enough and we have clicked up the speed quite a bit mm -hmm. um, trying to do this and do stuff for uh joe and jim was uh uh, uh kind of hard this morning because i was like wait did i miss what, did, what happened i used that recall button on our streaming box quite a bit but i did enjoy it i think it's interesting i think the more time they could put ben Mendelsohn and samuel jackson on screen together the better for the rest of this. There are some interesting things like teased for the remainder of the show. Um, I don't think it's moving too, too fast. Yo, um, we have a sort of thematic callback to my favorite random MC argument that I can't believe people have the argument with freaking Gravik, which we'll probably talk about a little bit later. Um, so yeah, I'm enjoying the ride. Uh, what, are you referencing Vision? Huh? Are you referencing Civil War? Uh, I, ooh, I, I, we'll get to it. We'll get to it later. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Um, what, well, I just want to get the the actress's name right. Who plays Priscilla? She's tremendous. I'm I'm enjoying it so much. Someone who just does not take Nicholas Fury's BS is a delightful <laughs> thing to have in here. And I and I feel like we're getting a lot of that where it's like kind of we're kind of deconstructing the myth here a little bit, which is probably really interesting and probably need to happen before now. But whatever, we get into it now. I'm going to look up her name while Jenna gives us her reaction. Thank you. I, I liked this episode a lot. I didn't necessarily love it. Um, we'll get to one reason why towards the very end, um, even though I know that it's probably not going to stick anyway. Um, but I, I like just the character play enough that it, it really is kind of selling the show for me. I Fury and Talos are just so good together that I, I could just watch them for hours. So I liked it. As I told Jamie before the show started, there was not enough Olivia Coleman. That was, but her one scene was very, very good. So Jamie, take it away. I, you know, there's, I, some, I really love this episode and something about it. I didn't like, and both involve the writing, which is interesting. I love the way the show is written in terms of dialogue. I love these conversations that Fury is having and that we're kind of, we're learning more about him in, in, these, in this episode than we've ever done before. And I, I really love that. I loved all the stuff with Talos. The stuff with his wife was very interesting. Um, and I'm so, so, so here for that. I, I'm, I'm just like, like enthralled and interested in all these conversations that are happening. One thing that's really bothering me about the show though is, um, is how much the scrolls are aren't being scrolls. Yeah. For example, I'm sorry, Nick Fury, but if you married a scroll, maybe in the privacy of your own home, she should look like herself. I don't like that is bothering me that like and in the same way when uh Gaia and um Gravik are like chatting in their bunker, like your whole point of this whole entire thing is so that you can be yourselves. You're in private. I don't I get from a film standpoint, we want Amelia Clark's face in our show. Uh, I understand that. I, my brain can grasp the reasoning behind that from a television making point, but from a story point, it is bothering me. But the Nick wife thing is like, oh, if you if you want to love me, let me look more like you. That's a little weird to me. Um, but you know, whatever. Other than that, loved it. I uh, can't wait to talk about uh, extremists. Extremists. I always say it wrong because um, <laughs> you know what that ties into. Uh, that excited. <laughs> um, so uh, that's the. Uh, but other, I'm enjoying the tone of this show very much. It's uh, uh, I uh, yes. 
That's my answer. <laughs> I liked today's episode quite a bit. I uh, I thought uh, also the actress is Charlene Woodard. Uh, out, out. Vera Nick Fury's wife. Uh, for the sake of argument, I'm actually I, I'm going to counter your your just for the sake of argument for the, the in defense <laughs> of the story, Jamie. The characters staying in their human form, which I think goes back to one of my least favorite scenes in the whole show, which set up this rule, is I think that it just goes to show how. Like, I think it's like the show the scrolls would basically be oppressed if they were themselves and they are so scared to actually be themselves that they have just adopted being this human form all the time. I agree. Like in the comfort of your own home, if you want us to really, really believe that Nick Fury loves this woman for who she is, she should be able to be herself at home. But I, I kind of take that as like, well, they're so afraid to be themselves that they'll be hunted and punished and whatever for existing on earth that they are just so not even willing to show themselves uh, unless they absolutely have to. She was chopping vegetables in her scroll form until oh, that, he walked through the door. Yeah, yeah. Mean, yeah. That's, that's, that's all I'm saying. Never mind. Yeah. Never mind. That um, point sucked. You're right. That's actually <laughs> yeah, I think they had a line in episode one. I think it was Gaia who said, like, they have to, if if you, like, keep your human form the entire time because you're, like, a high-ranking person, like, in the scroll mm -hmm. compound or whatever. But, yeah, the, with, with Fury's wife, it's, like, she should just be more comfortable being in her scroll form. I'm sure it was also just a budget thing of, like, we don't need to do multiple scenes of, like, her in scroll form. But it is kind of, it could be more comic booky and more weird with it than mm -hmm. they are being. Well, yeah, I, I I don't know if anybody else tuned into Phase Zero to hear us talk about respectability politics, but dang, look at that! Wow, <laughs> whole ten minutes of it right there. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, BB. I do want to compliment the dialogue between Nick Fury and Vera, uh, Priscilla. Uh, the like, I think it's so well written and so like, and the, the the performances between these two are great. And it's like, I don't know, I feel like it's been a minute since we've seen this kind of like, I, honestly, probably since Wandavision since we've seen any sort of romantic anything that actually feels real, it feels like there's weight behind what they're saying to each other and what, you know, the weight of, of their expectations for each other is felt in this episode. And I really appreciated how it showed like a dynamic where fury is fury. This dude always wants to be in control of everything, but he's trying to be a good dude. He's trying to save the world, but it's also like, he's still got to answer to his wife and that like he has to accept that as a dude. Like he has to make sure that he's not trying to control his marriage and his partner. And she's just like, okay, well, listen, you left. So what do you want? Like, I, here's, here's my side of this story. And there's two sides of that partnership. I really enjoyed the, the conversations between them in this episode. I just have to say how funny it is, how so few people have gotten blipped still. Like it, every story beat where we talk about the blip, it's always like with Talos and then with Fury's wife, it's always like you were blipped and I wasn't and I had to deal with you being gone for five years. Like I still feel like if we made a list of every named character who has gotten blipped, it is still probably like 12 people at most, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. Listen, correlation and causation are not exactly uh, <laughs> related. I don't know. It's very weird. It, I whatever i i don't know i just want it to be more random if it was like really half of everybody i feel like it would be a little bit more random than it has been. but i totally get like the story beat for it i do have something to say speaking of relationships <laughs> nick fury and talos have hands down the most interesting relationship in the entire marvel cinematic universe these two have a history these two are wreaking havoc uh, uh by accident on each other and on the world and i think that the mcu could really benefit from this it, it honestly reminds me of steve rogers and tony stark like i'm that interested in their dynamic and what they're trying to do for each other and how almost kind of competitive with each other they are and how they push each other and how they challenge each other and i think it's really showing uh, it, it's really one of the most interesting things going on in Secret Invasion for me. 
I, I agree. I was going to ask Jamie because I'm sure she has thoughts too. By episode one, I was kind of shipping them a little bit, but I feel like by this point, I am like, this is like fan fiction level stuff, like some of their dialogue and some of the things they say to each other. So I'm like, am I crazy? Am I the only one who feels that way? Or Jamie, do you, how are you feeling? I love it. Um, <laughs> I can't say that I was thinking about it too much, but um, move over, lady. It's their time. No, I, I do agree that they're, I, yes, I love that. Theory, uh, into it. Uh, but I, I do agree that, that, that their dynamic is so good. And I love that we got to see their origin story in Captain Marvel, that we've we've known what their relationship was like from the beginning and that we've seen flashbacks already in Secret Invasion. They're old men who have done a lot and have seen a lot and they're sad, but they're still fighting. And I think all of that is just really compelling. And maybe they will kiss one day. <laughs> I don't think they're going to kiss, but I do have a point <laughs> Uh, the, the the conversation they had in the bar where they talked about uh, where, where the conversation they had in the bar where Talos demanded that Nick Fury say, basically, I'm sorry, I need you. That was very relationshipy. That was very like, we, we just got out of an argument. You know, my significant yeah. other just pissed me <laughs> off and I was right. So I need them to apologize because I want to help them but I, I need to know they deserve it right now. And I, I appreciated that scene. I love the dynamic between them in that moment. And we're not used to Fury, you know, being vulnerable like that. I, I appreciated it. And I think Ben Mendelsohn and Samuel L. Jackson are just killing it in this role, in these roles. That arm touch, when he, I know. after he apologized and he touched his arm, that made me very happy. My heart yeah. swelled. I hate that we're halfway through already. Mm-hmm. Uh. Crazy, crazy. Mm-mm. Does Fury's legacy being so dependent on the scrolls? Fury, we learned in this episode, was dependent on the scrolls for all of his spy drama, all that stuff. Does his legacy being so dependent on the scrolls affect like his greatness? Or is this, you know, he saw an opportunity and that's what a guy in his position would do to build that legacy in the first place. So it stands. What do we think? We're we giving credit to the scrolls, we taken away from Fury, or do they all just get the credit? I don't think this takes away from Fury at all. I mean, that's what the man does. The reason why he's the best is because he recruits the best. I mean, that's part of his job as like the leader of S.H.I.E.L.D. for so long um, is, you know, and he just happened to meet the right people for that job. All I can think about is who in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. were really scrolls. That's what I'm thinking about now. Because I bet you some of them were. Um, but no, I, I don't think it taints it at all. I think it just peels back another layer of the onion as to what made him a good good in that role. But I don't know. Does anyone disagree? How do you guys feel? I, I feel like it doesn't necessarily cheapen it, but it does kind of frustrate me because it's like, I, I, I do want the just like spy Nick Fury, the very proactive character that he is in the comics of just like guns blazing. We've only gotten very fleeting moments of that. And a lot of it otherwise in the franchise has been him like kind of managing other people or reacting to situations. So that conversation to me was like, now you're kind of even further away from the like hard broiled spy Nick Fury, but I don't think it necessarily cheapens it. I don't know. I could also see Talos's take in there being a bit of that, like, I'm just going to keep making this relationship comparison. When you're fired up, when you're in a fight with your significant <laughs> other, sometimes you talk a little amplified. Sometimes you th say things you don't mean. Maybe Talos was, uh, you know, throwing some things in Nick Fury's face and he was just like really trying to give himself some credit to feel better about the, his role in the relationship. Take all the credit for the role in the relationship. But yeah, I don't know. Aaron, what do you think? Um, I, I don't know if it, it, it cheapens it. Uh, for me, it does make it a little bit more interesting because I guess it, I, I like that it reinforces some of the stuff we've been talking about throughout the last phase and whatever, where, wherever we are, where it's like one man is not an island. You weren't doing this all by yourself. 
You absolutely needed people. And that as many as uh, to quote Miles Morales, uh, men your age have problems opening up to people and maybe you should do that, you know? And it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's nice to see Sam or, or like Nick kind of be able to exhibit that in this performance too. It mm-hmm. makes him more interesting than like I, that I think that's the, it, the show can do nothing else. It can give us a, Nick Fury is a multifaceted, interesting person and maybe give us a little bit behind another person in the show and why they might feel a little bit one note or not as developed too by the end of it would be great. So if we could do that, that's great. I don't have a problem. And I think absolutely that argument's happened in this house for sure, where it's like, I did this, but I did this. And <laughs> it never ends. It never, it never goes away. You simply learn to deal with it. You know who? You know what else never goes away? Drakov. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, Drakov in the red room, referenced in uh, Secret Invasion. If you if you missed this one, Drakov from Black Widow, who was first mentioned in the Avengers by Loki while threatening Natasha, Drakov's daughter was referenced, and then we saw what happened with Drakov's daughter. R.I.P. Tony Masters. She's Taskmaster, uh, and then Drakov fell out of the sky. So, uh, what what was the uh, why was Drakov referenced in Secret Invasion? All I would knew so, was I did I heard Drakov and I went because oh, oh. <laughs> it was during the flashback and uh, Fury's wife gathered like information that Fury said like Drakov's men are going to not be happy about this. So like I interpreted it as whoever his other Alexis are of like his his kind of people who are spies and who are just like you know spread out across the globe might catch on or something i don't know obviously whatever they did didn't really stop Drakov because it took another 20 something years but that was still just an interesting nod that's what it makes sense because it was it was the 90s and the beginning of black widows the 90s like we know that he was uh running stuff and doing things and i you know you can have a long-standing enemy in those kinds of situations i I like that name drop oh that flashback scene though as soon as i said it was the 90s and i saw dh sam jackson i really really thought we were gonna see dh colson like and i wasn't just clowning on myself i'm like the last time we saw nick fury like in this like thing i like i'm just it's fine it's fine uh whoa I don't need him. It's fine. <laughs> See, my bit of clowning was he walked into that restaurant and I was like, is this the shawarma restaurant from Avengers? Because it almost wow. looked the same. But I was like, that is way too much of a closed circle if that happens to be the same exact restaurant. So mm-hmm. I was very glad it was something else. That would be funny, man. That would be a you know, Talk about an Easter egg. That would be a deep cut. Uh, Extremist was in the episode. We saw it firsthand. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Gravik got a knife through his hand and then pulled it out like the hard way. And then his hand healed using Extremis. So I know Jenna's got some thoughts here. She's cl- you're pretty excited about this. It looks like I, I, I'm amazed at how gross this show can be. Like we talked about it last week with like the finger being severed off. But like that scene with his hand, I was like, Ugh. like they, you know? the fact that we're able to get that on Disney Plus. That was my main takeaway was just like how violent that was. But as we said last week, it might just be because it's scroll violence. They can get away with it. But that was just nuts. I was shocked. 
I feel like I have mixed feelings about the Super Scroll thing only because like, oh, yep, we're back to this. The villain wants some super serum to get some superpowers. <laughs> so at first I was like, oh, okay. But then when it was uh, the extra, why can't I say, I always say it wrong. Extremis. <laughs> Extremis. Extremis <laughs> is the word. Um, I got excited because, uh, you know, Iron Man 3 is my favorite Iron Man and uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. heavily uses it as well. Oh, all these S.H.I.E.L.D. tie-in. I really do not think anyone from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is showing up in the show, but I am allowed to pretend that I it might every week. Like, I really don't think that's going to happen. But if, there, it's, you know. If it was January and I told you that this year you would see Chloe Bennett's Quake in a Marvel property in 2023 and it was Spider-Verse, not Secret Invasion. Oh, yeah. confused <laughs> would you have been? Ugh. You just never know. But that's something. <laughs> I'll take whatever Easter egg I can get. Are you kidding me? Uh, I was there. thrilled. She's out there in the multiverse. All right. Uh, oh, I love Gravik's line in this episode. Uh, I thought, I just think, I just think the right, maybe I'm, maybe I'm easily impressed. I don't know. <laughs> but I thought the writing of these, the, the writing of so much dialogue in Secret Invasion just feels like it leveled up. It's very mature. It's very well done. And Gravik's line about choosing between uh, ink and oil or blood to tell his legacy. And he chooses blood. I thought that was just a great, a great line. It just felt very villainous. It felt very purposeful, uh, and I really enjoyed that. I think uh, Kingsley Benadir is doing a great job, and he also he he said the word super scrolls in a way that actually for me did not come across. Like I knew he was about to say it. I was like, this man is like, you know, one hundred percent he's about to say super scrolls. He's going to say it. They can't resist. But then he said, I was like, this is going to suck. This is going to be cheesy. But he said it in a way that I was like. Oh wow! That the delivery of what could have been one of the cheesiest lines ever was perfect. Like I thought, Kingsley Benadire made this moment that should have been terrible. The fact that they like they just felt obligated to say Super Scrolls for us Marvel Comics fans, and it worked. So I appreciate that they did it, and I appreciate that they did it well. I had to shout that out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I had to. All right, Jenna's got a Jenna's got a, a big point for the next one. So I, I I I'm sure the other everyone else on the panel also has thoughts about this. I I liked Maria's death in the context of it in the first episode, but now getting to Gaia dying, which even then might not stick. We still have whoever she is, you know, being the surrogate like doppelganger of. We still have that person. There's no way she. There's no way Gaia herself is dead. But even then, it's like that entire moment feels like, I mean, we'll have to see with episode four, but it feels like she specifically was getting killed in a sort of fridging scenario of like he he was killing her in order for Talos to then be kind of pushed to the brink in the future episodes, which is kind of frustrating to me because fridging is just a very problematic thing. And I felt like we had just gotten to get to know Gaia and now she might be dead or we might be playing with her death. I don't know. I was just kind of frustrated about that. I'm also still convinced that we're going to open up one of those pods and she's going to be Abigail Brand, and then we'll still get to see her that way, but I don't know. How did we feel about her dying? I don't think she's dead. Um, I, I I think she was, like, ready for it, and I think, like, maybe she was wearing a vest, and then she turned back into her scroll form just to pretend like she was dead. I would be surprised. Either way, I think you're right. There's no way we're not seeing Amelia Clark again. Like, no way. But I do but like, I do think it would suck if Gaia died just for the purpose of fueling um, Talos after that just happened with Mar it, Maria. Like, I don't always hate that, that choice, but I, it would be weird if it happens again. Yeah, I don't think I don't think she's dead. I think she could be anybody now. She could be. It's, there's going to be a reveal down the line that she has been somebody who's been aiding Nick Fury or something, and she's going to keep the thought of her being dead. That's a page out of Nick Fury's playbook. 
So oh. I think, uh, I mean, you think about Captain America, the winter soldier, that man, I, we, he literally was dead. Like he was, he killed himself to the point that he was dead on a table. And we also like the Marvel showed us the body and he wasn't dead with Nick Fury. So I think that, uh, she could be anybody. And I think we'll realize late in this, in the series that Gaia is still out there. I am also pretty sure there's footage in trailers where she's Amelia Clark is still in it that we haven't seen yet. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I swear I saw her like in that sort of whatever that thing was that graphics seemed to use to give himself the powers to rewrite his DNA mm -hmm. to make himself a super scroll. I think uh, there's footage of that in trailers. So I'm pretty sure she's going to, I mean, and I, I also agree though, if Gaia is somehow actually finished here, She's gonna. I've I've had theory with you that she's gonna be Abigail Brand. We're gonna see the human form where Amelia Clark gets to continue, and then who knows? Maybe Talos gets like a play play the father role to a character that looks like what his human his daughter's human form looks like, which would be weird. But I don't know. I do think she's still alive. I think she, there's just no way. There's just no. Way. I thought Gravik was gonna walk over and put two more bullets in there. I was mm -hmm. like, walk over and finish this. This is dark. And then he didn't. And I was like, oh no, she's still she's she's coming back. She's coming back. That's what I think. Aaron, what do you think? Um, I will say it's a thematic thing. Like, it's really easy visual thematic shorthand to have him kill these women, just be putting these women down and like, oh, he's a bad guy. It's my least favorite argument around Black Panther. I always laugh whenever you get people going, Killmonger was right. And I'm like, the movie, obviously, back to Westerns, is going, hey, man, anybody who would endanger women, children, or their own subordinates is a bad dude. You're not supposed to sympathize, slash, even if they have some points, they still wrong. So it works on that level. I really do hope that she's not dead, because I don't know why we lingered, other than to have some sort of weird reveal where Janelle Monet throws a like a phone <laughs> in her purse earlier in the thing and kind of like throws <laughs> it all on its head. But maybe... You know, maybe not. I, I I think that I'm leaning more towards your Abigail Brand thing before. At first, I'm like, oh, Jenna, she's been through so much. Let's just agree. <laughs> now, I'm like, I'm on board. I'm on board. Full force. See, because I was thinking about it this morning of like, I don't think Gaia and Fury have not been in the same room, right? Nope. So like, we could totally have a moment where she maybe shows up in, in, and is in that form. And then he's like, Abigail? And then we then learn like, oh, the, the form that she's been impersonating is Abigail Brand. Like, I, I just think it's perfect casting. She would make a really good Abigail Brand. So I'm just going to continue to clown and be delusional until I'm proven wrong. I honestly, like, I don't want Gaia to be dead, but I also want that theory to be true. So maybe it's, maybe she's both. Maybe, uh, maybe she's, maybe Abigail Brand somehow is gone. And now she can keep this human form forever and just assume the identity, whatever. Uh, but I think, yeah, I don't know if, if she, here's the thing. If, if they killed her off and it's like, how would anybody have, how would anybody else find out she's dead? Mm -hmm. You know, they did such an unceremonious farewell to this character, apparently that I, I think back to like the walking dead when Glenn fell off the dumpster and got oh, eaten. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, my thought was nobody is ever going to find out what happened to Glenn. If this is how Glenn died. And it was also just like, well, the man is not dead. That was clearly some kind of fake out, even though it was so explicitly made it look like he was being eaten. This explicitly made it look like she was dead, but in the middle of nowhere where nobody would ever find out, Gravik was the one to kill her. I mean, they could assume, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I If she is dead, Jenna's got a valid point about, about, but also Gravik let that one woman go, which was such a strange choice. Cause like his, that makes his choices a bit inconsistent unless that was calculated. Cause he needs her to do something. It felt calculated. Cause I remember he had a line to her that was like, if I had a hundred of you, I could conquer the entire universe or something. So like he admired her and her like tenacity in that argument. So I think 
he deliberately let her go just to kind of, I don't know, make the war more interesting or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Comment sections, comment sections a bit torn. Some people think she's still alive. Some people are doubting it. We'll see. We'll see. The footage seems to hold up. And the end of the episode, we got to talk about the end of the episode. There's a phone call. There's a phone call at the end of this episode that, uh, listen, I'm, I'm about to put the tinfoil hat on real tight, but I want to hear what you guys think about that voice on the phone. What, who's deceiving who? Who's who? What's going on? I had to watch the scene twice. Like, I, I did not catch it the first time because I watched with subtitles and that person was not subtitled as like a name. So uh, I initially was just like, oh, it's one of graphics people. And then it was like, oh, wait. Okay, so I'll let y'all say who it most likely is because it's oh, kind of obvious. I, I watched. Yeah. I've only watched it once, and I was like, "That is Don. That is Don's voice on the phone. That is uh, that is or scroll Rody, right? Yeah. So Rody is working with the scrolls, seemingly a scroll. The the easy thing is being further and further pushed. Uh, what do you think? Rody's a scroll, right? A scroll. It gotta be. That's been kind of the theory from the beginning, right? Like he's the Avenger that's there, so it makes the most sense. Yeah, and he's also been acting kind of out of character. I've got a weird dimension of this that I don't know if it's right, but it's just harebrained enough to bring up on the show. The, the platform that Gravik is using to give them powers looks an awful lot like an arc reactor. Oh. Like, yeah. And the only person that would be able to have delivered it to them or whatever, like, although apparently you can make it in a garage, shout out to Riri, ah, ah, we build different. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it, it, it would make sense if that's where some of the tech would come from to build all the stuff in this abandoned stuff is that if you had Tony Stark access to all this stuff, you'd be able to get and feed and clothe these people, you know, Sam can't get a loan, but if you got Tony's credit card, you good. I'm sure <laughs> you can place a call to Pepper and get some of the stuff paid for. I, I, I really, if he does, if he does it a big a scroll, which is the most telegraphed thing, because all of us have like talked about it ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. Please give me a thing where we flash back to different points to show how he was playing both sides. That would be great. That would be That's crazy. all I ask. Ever since the gap between Iron Man One and Iron Man Two, <laughs> somehow a scroll stepped in and didn't quite nail the look of Rhodey, but was close <laughs> enough that everybody around him was like, "Oh, you cut your hair." Yeah. Uh, what if though? What if now? Hear me out. What if Rody that there was a scroll of Rody, and then real Rody found out, and everybody found out, and they captured the scroll, and now real Rody is acting like a scroll with the scroll, so that they think he's forcing the scroll Ooh. infiltration, <gasps> a double cross of the double cross crossing with the doubles. What spies? <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Definitely Rody on the phone. This show really has heavy-handedly kind of made us think Rody was a scroll all along. And now this definitely is the point that like seems to be revealing it. Then I'm just sitting here like this is just too easy. Maybe mm-hmm. Rody is double crossing the cross, whatever. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but overall, I, I really enjoyed today's episode. I think Secret Invasion has if Secret Invasion does not botch the ending, this is obviously going to be a top three mcu show and if it has a fantastic ending it has a chance to be the best i I think it had like i don't know i don't know i know the era is different we're not talking about it we're not as excited as we were there's not a million tweets every day like there was with wandavision and loki those two are the clear-cut leaders for me uh but secret invasion has been great and if these next three episodes are able to up the stakes up the ante and deliver i think there's a chance that it could be right up there with them uh, but I, I'm, I have no idea how this is going to end. I just hope it's not some kind of 
incomplete story or or just crazy over the top out of character finale where stuff just goes crazy because that was my problem with most of the Disney Plus shows so far whether it was a kaiju fight or uh, the, the destruction of Westview or whatever it was I feel like the finales tend to go off the rails and they don't match the tone of the rest of the show in a lot of the MCU shows cases uh, but yeah I'm, I'm loving Secret Invasion at the midpoint what about you guys? I'm scared going into episode four because it's like outside of She-Hulk. I feel like we've always had like the episode four curse of like some sort of like very out of left field, change of pace, change of location, whatever. I don't know how you could really do that on this show, but I feel like there is possibly a way to do that. So that would be kind of frustrating to then do that and then only have two episodes left to clean everything up. But I don't know. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. Um, I, I think it's something though that like I'm not gonna fully know until it's over. Um, yeah. Not just because of how it's gonna end, just because of how it's all gonna tie together. Like for now, I'm into it, enjoying it. I look forward uh, to a few weeks from now where we get where we know where it's all happening and going. Poor Jamie when they open the show with a fake Agents of Shield thing with Clark Gregg and all of them <laughs> just doing it, and then Nick Fury wakes up from a nap, and you're like, no, no. <laughs> Um, I, I am enjoying it uh, enough so far. I'm willing to go ahead and, uh, get it out here. I'm happy that now we're all flying blind. It was excruciating for the first two weeks to be like, why is everybody whispering about these back channels at our job? Now we're all insane. You're down here with me. I have, I, I, I had an, uh, I only saw the first two. Episode three was, uh, I was with you guys today. I was with everyone. Like, I, I mean, yeah, we all were. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, happy okay. Be, I'm happy to be in that place. So now. you, boy, Aaron, you get the screeners, right? Sometimes. Apparently not this time. I was like, what happened? Why? Yeah. What? What's going on? I would. Oh, our lives would be so much easier if they would send these episodes in advance. It would be so much easier to plan this show. And not, <laughs> it oh was hard watching it at midnight on the 4th of July. Like, uh, <laughs> like I'm doing things. Every, uh, oh, I mean, every other network, every other streamer sends their episodes. Even The Last of Us sent all nine. House of the Dragon sent six. And Marvel's like, you know what? You get, you get the appetizer <laughs> and you're going to like it. And you're going to wake up and you're going to do your work. And I don't care. But whatever. They're, you know, they they do they do everything else pretty pretty nicely for us, so I'll take it. But I do wish we could get these screeners in advance. It would definitely make this <laughs> as as, as <laughs> I'm not, I feel so spoiled. Oh no, I have to wake up and prepare a Marvel show. But it, I, it's it's a, it's not hard work, but it's a lot of work. So and I really like to make the show as good as it can be. And obviously, I feel like our show could be better if we had a day to prep it instead of a couple hours. But it, you know, that's we have the show when we have the show, and we got to work with what we got and. Uh, I think we do a pretty fun job and I appreciate everybody who watches with us. That's where we're going to end today's show. Aaron, uh, any last words for phase zero today? Uh, it's at some Lake Hornet on Twitter. What's left of it anyway. We're figuring out what we're going to do with the rest of it. Um, I think my interviews with Lana Condor and uh, Annie Murphy from Ruby Gilman are up on the comic book YouTube channel. So you can see me talk to her about, uh, Alita Battle Angel and her movie, even though people were not going out to see it as much as they should. It is fun if you have families and you've seen Elemental twice and Spider-Verse twice and whatever, please go support animation. That isn't just another sequel of things that we already love. All right, that's all I got. Jamie? 
Oh, goodness. Uh, Jamie Cinematics on Letterboxd. I've already watched so many movies in July. Uh, I've watched like 12 movies this month, and we're so early in the month. So I'm, uh, check out what I've been watching. Um, you know, I'm I'm trying the Blue Sky thing. I'm kind of already like, I hate that there's like new um, new social medias. I'm so over it. I, all of it's a bummer, but like, I guess follow me on Twitter. I don't know. It's It's... <laughs> I think uh, we're gonna we're, go ahead. No, go go. I was gonna. I'm trying to figure out new ways to uh, keep the Phaseo community kind of active and engaged with each other and following each other. I thought about starting like a Facebook group where we can have a Facebook community. Uh, I know uh, people are still on Twitter and everything. Twitter's becoming harder to use as a business, and I don't really understand the logic of limiting the amount of ease and use for brands and people. I, I don't know. The whole, the whole thing is stupid, just flat out dumb to me. And you're removing people from your platform and simultaneously want brands to spend more money when people aren't there. I don't know. It's a stupid decision in my opinion, but it's making it harder for us to use Twitter as kind of the main driver for the phase of community. So whether you guys, I, mean, I would love to hear from you guys. I think our YouTube comment sections are a great place for everybody to connect. The Twitch comment section is always active. Uh, but I'm trying to figure out a, good, a cool way for that's a, a good common place for everybody in the phase of community to connect and find each other and talk and share theories and everything and engage where we can come and talk with everybody back. So I'm pretty active in the YouTube comment sections uh, usually, but uh, not as much as I am on Twitter. So I'll try to get better about that. But yeah, if you guys have anywhere you think would be a fun place for us to grow the community and foster an environment where we can talk about Marvel and share our love for this stuff, uh, let us know. Send it to us on Twitter because for now that's the best place to do it, but we'll figure it out. We'll keep you guys updated. And we really appreciate you doing that. Sorry, Jenna, Any uh, anything you want to say to end today's show? I will say people are in the chat saying Discord, so that might be an option for where to move the community to. Um, but it's I'm at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn on the husk of Twitter and all other social medias. Um, I meant to plug this on the show last week, but I'll piggyback off of Aaron's comment about uh, really good animation and supporting it. Go watch Nimona, Nimona. on Netflix. Mm. Um, I got to do the junket for it. All of those interviews are up on the site it is one of my favorite animated movies in recent memory it is a miracle that it even exists if you know the story it got canceled and then uncanceled and finished over at netflix it is a beautiful really 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 good movie and it deserves your attention and your time so go watch nimona i love it all right it's a great way to end today's show subscribe to our channel on uh, on youtube share our share our podcast with your friends leave a five-star review we'll see you next week everybody